Amen, amen, indeed. Let's pray together as we turn to God's word this morning. Father God, how powerful it is to be able to declare those words. That it is well with our soul even when things are darkest and hardest. That you promise us this peace that passes understanding. The peace that your spirit can give us in the face of the most difficult circumstances makes no sense. But it is there. And it is well. And God, sometimes even we don't feel that. But we still declare it to be true because it is true. Because you are God, you are in control, and we trust you. Whether we feel it or not. God, you have proven yourself faithful over and over and over again, and we bow before you in awe of who you are. Father God, as we turn to your word this morning and explore the last of the promises that we're looking at, God, we pray that you would encourage and inspire us as we sing of it being well with our soul, that you are trustworthy, God, that these promises that we've been talking about would be buried deep in our hearts. And that out of them we would be able to live with incredible boldness and confidence because of who you are. We ask that you would speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read this together. And the last promise we're looking at is at the end of this in the Great Commission. And the things that God has laid out for us. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read the whole chapter together because, I mean, who doesn't want to read about the resurrection? It's a pretty big deal, and I think we can be excited about it pretty much any time. Matthew chapter 28 says this, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him. They saw that happen. They were there. It's crazy. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while they were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money 
and did as they were instructed. And the story has been widely, widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, even in that moment. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God has promised us that he has a plan and a purpose and a mission for us. Within that plan, he has a place for you, a role for you, a chance for you to be a part of what he is doing. Are you in? This morning we're coming to the end of our ministry year. Our year where we've been exploring what it means to walk intimately with God together. A year when we've gone through huge challenges together. Huge change together. It all feels like a thousand years ago and that this whole year never happened. But this was the year when we celebrated the incredible ministry of Pastor Dennis. And we had leadership change and staffing changes. When we navigated this roller coaster of COVID and we gathered in new and different ways, figuring it all out together, technology working and failing, we struggled through the constant change of opening and closing as a community, isolation and separation, and loneliness, and coming together to support one another in beautiful and powerful ways. It's, it's, it's been an incredible year in so many ways. And it's difficult to even really think through and process all that we've been through together this year, but it's, it's important that we try because God's Spirit has been present in amazing ways. And if we don't look and we don't remember, then we don't see what he's done. So much of the journey of the Israelites was punctuated over and over with the leaders and the prophets recalling what God had done. These repeated calls to remember over and over the same stories are recorded again and again in scripture as they call back to these things that God had done for them, filled with people reading and remembering these stories of God's power, of God's faithfulness. Again and again, the writers record the same things, calling our attention back to what God has done so that we can better see what God is doing. We need to be doing the same thing today. Together. And individually, in each of our own lives. How has God been present in your life this year? 
How has he shown his love and mercy and grace and power and, and faithfulness to you? Remember. How have you seen him move and work? How have you heard him speak? What has he said to you? Remember. Write it down. We are very, very bad at remembering. We think we will, especially when something big happens. How could we possibly forget this big thing? But we do. Time moves fast and life moves fast and there's always more coming and we need real reminders. I call them marker posts in my own life. Our journey with God can feel like such a roller coaster all the time with mountaintops and valleys, times when God feels really close and our relationship with him is in an amazing place and we're just experiencing his word and prayer in all these incredible ways. And then there's times when I struggle to feel him at all and scripture seems empty and my journey feels cold. Where it's so difficult to believe and to follow. These marker posts are so important because they help to ground me. They help to remind me in times when I'm struggling, when I feel far away. I can look at them and I can say, no, God is real. He was there, I remember. He was with me. I might not be in that place now, but that moment was real. And it can call us back to a relationship with him, with our father. My baptism. Times in in South Africa on my DTS. Times at Pinecrest Camp in Camp Caroline. So many times here at LFC. Amazing ways that God has worked those marker posts. And so many times in this last year, for me and for us, walking intimately with God doesn't mean that we'll always feel like we're doing great or that our relationship with God is always in a great place. And so we have to remember the significant moments when God was there to help us remember that he's always there. In a little bit at our AGM, we're going to celebrate some of the incredible ways that God was so amazingly faithful through his spirit and through you as his church this year. The power and presence of God in our lives, in our church family, through our church family. A little over a year ago, when this whole pandemic started, no one knew what was going to happen. There were a lot of really scary things happening. And like so many places, churches, businesses, so many things, we wondered, are we going to be laying off staff? Are we going to be closing the doors entirely? Are we going to have 30, 40 plus percent unemployment across the province? Things going to wind up looking entirely different? I mean, the church carries on. It's not a building or a staff team or any of that. It's us. It's people, followers of Jesus, worshiping and working together. But we didn't know what this picture was going to look like. And we'll talk about it at at the meeting, but God moved powerfully this year. We not only met our budget, we exceeded it. 
Because of your incredible faithfulness in the presence of God's spirit, God was clearly saying, I am moving through this church family. I am using you to build my kingdom, to touch people's lives in the community of Leduc and beyond, and I'm going to show you that you can trust me and that you are mine. Money is just money. Money is not the kingdom. Money is not the church. But God showed us through your faithfulness together that he has a plan and a purpose for this place. And he is leading us into new and big and exciting things. God is good, and he's calling us to something big, and I am so excited to see where he is leading us together. Sorry, I get excited. We're gonna get there later, but I couldn't help myself. But all of this ties into this last promise of the purpose and the mission that God is laying before you individually, Because as we come together, he joins our hearts and our purpose so that we can accomplish more than we ever could on our own. So that we can work together in worship, in love, in justice, in peace to bring the kingdom of the gospel into the world around us. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his death and resurrection. And I mean, how do you prepare someone for that in the first place? But he's walking them through it. He's trying to help them understand what is going to happen, what it means and what it's going to mean for them and for us. And it's a long section over a number of chapters and he talks about his betrayal and he talks about Peter's denial and he comforts them and he talks about the place that he is going to prepare for them, that he will be with him. And then he says, starting in verse six, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, You will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. We will do what Jesus did and we will do even greater things than these. What a promise. What a statement. 
How can we even begin to do greater things than Jesus did? What does that even mean? It, it sounds blasphemous to even suggest something like that, but he's the one who said it. You will do greater things than me. What does that look like? And the reality is that what Jesus is talking about is mission lived out in community. That we can accomplish greater things through the power of the Holy Spirit lived out through his church. It's God working through us. His power, his presence, his kingdom in each of us together. That's where Jesus goes right after this chapter. This teaching continues for three more chapters after this. And he dives deep into the Holy Spirit and what that's going to look like. And then he ends with this long prayer calling for a depth of relationship and unity in us. That is the same as he has with his father. Can you believe that? Jesus desires for us as a church, for his people, for all people to be connected just as deeply as he is with his father. That's what he wants. That's what he's inviting us into. And that's what he's calling us to share, that gospel that is relationship. Jesus prayed in John 17, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Look at that. The depth of connection and relationship that Jesus experiences with his Father is what he wants for us because that's what he wants for the world. His mission, his purpose, his kingdom is about that. And we get to be a part of it. We've talked about this a bunch of times, but God's plan for the world, the way he has chosen to accomplish his purposes is through the church. The church is God's plan A and there is no plan B. And as he empowers his church with his spirit and we sense and pray together about where he is leading us and what he is calling us to, we can achieve incredible things. Huge programs, fancy buildings, flashy services. No. None of that matters. Lives transformed by the gospel, connected to their Father and connected to one another. 
In this new and profound and incredible way as Jesus brings all of the life and hope and joy and peace and everything that the gospel does. We are going to do even greater things than him, but not because of what we are capable of, but because of the power of his Holy Spirit and our connection to him and reliance on him together. And I see that happening here. Each of these things seems small, but that's the true power of the church and what Jesus truly meant when he said we'd do greater things. It's not about doing one big great thing. Jesus died and rose again. That was the thing. But it's the incredible power of a thousand, thousand little things all adding up together. As the people of God try to follow his leading and share his love and grace in little ways all through our daily lives. Maybe someday God will put you in front of a crowd of thousands to share the gospel. That's good too. But the real impact happens one on one. One person at a time. One moment at a time where we share his love, his grace, his peace, his mercy, his hope with someone who needs it. Where God breaks through into their life and our life together. And we experience relationship and community and love and freedom together in him. We're doing that. You're doing that. It's happening right here, right now with the food bank and Canadian blood services, with the links program that comes and shares our space and blesses us, family and community support services, and then in our schools and hospitals, businesses and community groups, teams and friends and connections. The kingdom of God is deeply present in all of these places because his followers are there. You are are there going into all the world being the presence of the gospel in those places speaking words of truth and life and encouragement sharing the love of Jesus there wherever you are Jesus is there and he's inviting you to help someone see that we fail in that I fail in that a lot. But every day with every person, we have another opportunity to be those people that Jesus prayed about. Those ones who believed because of the message of those followers from long ago. And to invite people into that relationship with God that we get to experience. We've been sent. You have been sent wherever you are into whatever places you go to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And surely he is with you, with us always to the very end of the age. You have a mission and a purpose. 
We have a mission and a purpose, and I am so excited to see where God is going to lead us together as we try to walk intimately with God and invite others to journey with us together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are so gracious and patient. We thank you that even though we don't deserve it and we're certainly not very helpful all the time, you have invited us to be a part of your mission and purpose. You desire to use us to share your love with others. God, that is an incredible gift. And it's scary because, again, Father, I fall into selfishness all the time and I resist that. But God, you are with us. Your spirit is with us. And you are wanting to draw us into a depth of connection with our Father that then just flows out to the people around us. Forgive us, God, where we have failed, where we have been selfish or insecure. We have not taken the opportunities that you put in front of us, and God, allow us another chance. Help us to see those opportunities when they're in front of us and give us the words to speak and wisdom to care in those moments. We want to be with you. We want to walk with you, and we want others to come with us that they can see who you are. We ask that you would lead us in Jesus' name. Amen.